Back a few months ago in my devotions, I was going through the book of Jonah, and I hadn't been through it in a while, and I've never preached through the whole book. I've preached two or three sermons out of it, but as I began to go through it, it was just eye-opening. It's amazing what you see. Now, most every one of us here, you remember something about the book of Jonah. You remember that Jonah ran away from God. He was trying to flee from the presence of God. He boards a ship. Uh, a great storm comes. They throw Jonah into the, to the sea, and a, and a big fish comes and swallows him. But God delivers him. Maybe that's what you remember about Jonah. Maybe you remember he went to Nineveh, that great city, and he started preaching against the wickedness there. And all the way from the uh, greatest to the least of them repented, and God granted mercy on the city. Or maybe you remember the plant that grew up Jack and the Beanstalk style over Jonah and the worm that came and attacked it and, and how Jonah got so angry over it. You know, it's a great story. But let me tell you, there is so much to learn from this book. When I began to go through it, it just amazed me. The gospel is on every page of it. It's almost in every paragraph you find it here. If there's one thing this book is about, it's the series title. It's about God's relentless love. It's about a God of great compassion and a God of mercy, a God who comes after people who are trying to run away from him. It's about his relentless love. Now, let me just very quickly, a couple of things about historical background. Uh, Jonah prophesied during the reign of King Jeroboam II, who was one of the kings of the northern kingdom Israel. Do you remember there were the, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom? And, of course, all of the kings in the northern kingdom were bad. They did evil in the sight of God. Well, Jeroboam II, it was during his reign that Jonah preached. Now, we know very, very little about Jonah. We do know this. He was a major supporter of King Jeroboam's very aggressive military policy to want to expand the territory influence of Israel. Jeroboam II, like his father, was very concerned to make Israel more of a power force in the world. And Jonah was a big supporter of that. The major empire in that day was the Assyrian Empire. That was to the north of Israel, the Assyrian Empire. And they were a harsh and violent people. So we're going to read about them. They were a harsh and violent people, and they threatened Israel. Now, that gives us a little clue right there to why Jonah is so reluctant about going to Nineveh because he knew he was the patriot, he loved his country, and he knew that the Assyrians were a major threat to him. But God raised him up and gave him an unprecedented mission. So let's turn now to the Scripture. Jonah, we're going to read chapter 1 the first 10 verses, and this is God's word. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. 
All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. Now, Jonah is given this incredible mission. So let's look at the mission. He says, God comes to him and says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, I say it's an unprecedented mission for a couple of reasons. First of all, it was unheard of at this point that God would ever ask one of his prophets to leave Israel and to go to a Gentile city. That was just unheard of. It's true some of the prophets spoke against some of the Gentiles, but this was, up to this point, no prophet had ever been asked. But what's even more uh, absolutely amazing is that the God of Israel would send a prophet to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, were a very, very cruel people. I mean, they were known to torture and abuse the people that they had conquered. They were fierce. They were violent. In fact, God says their wickedness, its wickedness has come up before me. Can you, can you almost sense that? I mean, this violent, terrible city, they were fierce. They were mean people. They were mean people. And God says his wickedness has come up before me. And yet, that nation, that city, became the object of God's mercy. And you know, that raises a question, certainly ought to raise a question to all of us. Why in the world would God want to save people like those people? They were terrible, cruel, violent, injustice. I mean, we're going to see it as we work out. We're going to spend five weeks in Jonah, by the way. The next five Sundays, we're going to work our way through it. But you're going to see what a terrible people that they were. Why would God want to save people like those? Well, the book of Jonah, here's the key to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is about the gracious, compassion, and mercy of God. It's about his relentless love. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what the regrets of your life are. I know mine, and I've got plenty. And I don't know what sins you've committed. Now, the Lord does. But I do know this one thing, that no sin is too great for God to grant grace, and no evil is too extensive for God to grant mercy. 
If anywhere you learn that in Scripture, you learn it right here in Jonah with those people because they were terrible people. They did awful things. And yet there is no sin. And I don't know about you, that's good news to me. It says that no matter what we've ever done, nothing can stop the grace of God from being lavished upon us for those of us who have been chosen by him to be his children. This is the gracious nature of God. So that's really the core message of the book of Jonah is focused on this compassion and mercy and grace of God. And so he calls Jonah to go to the city. So let's look at what Jonah did. So we're told, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Obviously, Jonah had a problem with the mission, didn't he? What does he do? He attempts to run from the presence of the Lord. Now, before we get too hard on him, wait a minute. Before we get too hard on Jonah, let's stop and think about this. God may ask us to do things we don't like. In fact, he may bring things into our lives that we don't like, that we don't understand, and that we wish were different. And if you've been around for a while, you've experienced that. I certainly have in my life. Great disappointments, great pain, things that I wish had been different. And sometimes when those difficult circumstances come we may even want to run from God we may even want to flee for attempt to flee from him we get angry and bitter because of the circumstances and that was what was going on with Jonah he did not like this and so what does he think he'll run away but let me take you deeper let me dig deeper into this you see what was the root problem well the root problem is the problem that we all have The root problem was his sin. And let me tell you this. When we sin, when we're in sin, our natural tendency is to want to run from God, to flee from God, to hide from God, to get away from God. When we're in sin, and we know we're in sin. Now let me ask you this. Think back. What is the origin of running from God and hiding from God? Can you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden? You remember that? In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They attempted to hide themselves from God. They started running from God. And you know what? That has been the story of mankind ever since then. But just think about this for a minute. How foolish is it for us to think that we can run away from God because we know that God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at one time. But even us godly people can act foolish at times, can't we? I mean, here's Jonah. Jonah's a prophet for Pete's sake. And he knew all these things about God, but he was acting foolishly. Even godly people can do that. Listen to the words of Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee 
from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. You see, the point is, there is nowhere, now we know this, there's nowhere that we can go from the presence of the Lord. And yet, what did Jonah do? He goes down, boards a ship, thinking that he could run away from God. His bottom line problem was, you know what it was? He didn't trust God. And I'll tell you, when I look over some of the times of my life and I get all discouraged and I get all out of sorts, most every time is is because I'm not trusting. I'm not trusting. That was his real problem. He didn't believe God had his best interest at heart. Listen, one of the main reasons that we trust God so little is because we trust our own wisdom too much. Let that one sink in. Isn't that true? You know, there are those times when we question God, those times when we fail to trust him, those times that we think we're smarter than he is, we've got better answers, we know what's better. Do you realize how foolish that is? When we fail to trust God, listen, and we rebel against him, there are going to be consequences. We'll see that in a minute. Here's the point. You know, I look back over my life, and I was thinking this through when I was putting this sermon together, and I looked at some of the most difficult things in my life. And I've been through some difficult things. And I look back over that, and I'll tell you, if I didn't believe that God is all wise and that he knows what we need and that we can trust him, I'd be in chaos. I'd be distraught. You know, some of you have heard me tell this. At one point in my life, I went through a major depression. And I felt so far away from God. I'll tell you, I've never been as scared in all of my life. And I felt that distance. And to be honest, I didn't want God. I didn't understand what was going on. And I didn't like what was going on. I couldn't understand my mind. I couldn't think straight. And I remember when I finally came out of that to look at the sovereign hand of God who took me through it and who delivered me out of it. And all along when I thought he was so far away, I was right in the palm of his hand. Let me tell you something. When those circumstances of life come that overwhelm you, remember that there is a God in heaven who loves you and who is sovereign. And I'll tell you this, you can trust him. You can trust him. May not understand it, may not like it, but I'll tell you this, you can trust him. He is faithful even when we're not faithful. Our responsibility is to trust and obey him. Jonah didn't either. He didn't trust him, and he certainly didn't obey him. Instead, he tried to run from God. I found this out in ministry after all these years. When we face deep troubles in our lives, and let me just tell you, I've seen this over and over again. We either run from God in bitterness, or we flee under his wings 
for refuge. That's the choice that we can make. Well, Jonah was running from God in bitterness. But you know what? God didn't let him escape. God intervened. Look at what happens. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. (laughs) Notice where the wind came from. The Lord sent a great wind. Now, you're going to see it's almost comical in some ways as you go through Jonah, uh, how God used sort of natural things. The Lord sent the the great wind, and then later he's going to send a fish, and then later he's going to send a plant and a worm and a scorching east wind. He's going to do those things. And all of this time, God is orchestrating this work in Jonah's life to bring Jonah to his senses. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now let me give you one of the most fundamental truths of the gospel. And if you walk away with nothing else this morning, I want you to walk away with this one. And here it is. Jesus loves you too much to let you go. He will come after you. You know what? God wasn't going to let Jonah get very far before he came after him. You see, he's the great hound of heaven. He comes after us. But let me give you another fundamental truth of the gospel. Sin has consequences. You do realize, let's be very clear about this, you do realize God doesn't punish his redeemed people. Jesus was punished for us. But what I am saying is, There are consequences of disobedience. And look at the consequences in Jonah's case. The ship was almost destroyed. The sailors' lives were put in jeopardy. The cargo was thrown overboard. And all of this happened because of Jonah's rebellion against God. I found out something in ministry too. Sin not only has an effect on the one who commits it, but it also can have a ripple effect. Did you see that with Jonah? I mean, it affected the sailors, the, the cargoes. I mean, financially, all that, that ripple effect of that sin. I've seen it so many times in my ministry and in life. How others are deeply affected by our sinful actions, our sinful choices. Spouses, children, friends, co-workers. I've seen people lose jobs, lose their marriages, lose their children, all because of unwise and sinful choices that they've made. We have to face the reality that sin always has consequences. But here's the good news of the gospel. Listen, God loves us too much to leave us in a rebellious state. God's love is a relentless love. And listen, he will get our attention one way or another. I'm telling you, standing right up here is an example of that. Where God had to come to me and it was like, what's it going to take, boy? What's it going to take? One thing after the other to get my attention. But always when God is doing that, there is his grace. 
And let me tell you what's going on with Jonah. God's getting his attention. He's getting his attention. But deep inside the storm and the waves, God appointed a fish to save Jonah. Here's the truth. There is love at the heart of our storms. There's love at the heart of our storms. When they come along in your life, they're painful, frightening, but I'm telling you there's love at the heart. God's relentless love led Jesus to the cross, and there the sinless Son of God experienced the storm of God's judgment. And at the heart of that storm was the greatest expression of love that mankind has ever known. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In the heart of that storm of God's judgment was this incredible love that God had for his people. And let me tell you something. If God loves you that much to give Jesus to you, you know something? He's not going to let you go. And I'm going to say this to you this morning. I don't question this. There are some people, even here this morning, maybe you're struggling. Does God really love me? Does God really care about me? I don't understand why I've got these difficulties and problems and disappointments and tragedies and all these things on my life. I don't understand it. I'm going to tell you something. I simply point you to the cross and show you the extent of his love. That's his love for you. His love is so great that he will not let us go. When I was writing this sermon, an old hymn came to my mind. And and it's one we don't sing a whole lot around here. But it's a beautiful hymn. Hymn by George Matheson. I often wondered if Matheson even had Jonah in mind when he wrote this. But this is what he says. Oh, love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. You see, when those storms come and it seems like they're overwhelming, there's love right in the middle of them. But we have a choice. We're either going to run from God in bitterness or we're going to flee under his wings for refuge and we find his love in new ways. Let's pray. And this morning, Lord, we come to you and we thank you for your love. A love that reached out to Jonah even in a storm. A love that wouldn't let him go when he's trying to run away from you in rebellion. And Lord, there's some of us here maybe who are running from you. Some of us here, maybe we're in sin. Maybe we are disappointed. 
with life and its circumstances. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your love. It's a love that will never let us go. And I pray this morning that in the quietness of this moment, the beauty of that truth would ring in our hearts. Oh, love that will not let us go.